party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I am so beyond excited to be joined by Ray Najati for a game of Apocalypse Keys. Apocalypse Keys is, one, a game I've been looking forward to playing on the show for literally years. I am so excited about this game. And two, it is a Powered by the Apocalypse role-playing game of monsters fighting the apocalypse. Inspired by stories such as Hellboy, BPRD, Men in Black, Penny Dreadful, and Doom Patrol, it is about omen-class monsters, beings with the apocalypse in their heart, gathered together by an agency called Division and tasked with stopping the apocalypse itself. Player characters confront their inner monster, stare down their own personal end of days, all while investigating paranormal mysteries, locating the doors of power, and stopping villainous harbingers from unraveling reality as we know it. Uh, this game is so thoroughly my jam. I've been so excited about Apocalypse Keys. I've been following the playtests for ages. Uh, this game is so extremely my shit. It's also extremely mechanically innovative. It's doing some really interesting things with Powered by the Apocalypse. Sort of playing with the, the standard numbers and success rates that we associate with those kinds of games. It's mind-blowing. It's cool. It's so dripping with theme and, and style. Oh, I could gush about this game all day, but instead I'd rather just have you listen to the game that we played because it's very, very cool. I'd also rather you go check out Apocalypse Keys on Kickstarter. It is currently funded. It is uh, blown past its original goal, a bunch of its stretch goals. It's going to be a huge, cool, vibrant book. I would love for you to check it out. You can find more information about Apocalypse Keys in the show notes. And also, speaking of amazing, uh, Ray is also someone that I've wanted to have on the show for ages. Uh, he is the head of Sword Queen Games. They have published a number of games that I love, including Balik Bayan, Once More Into the Void. They are also a co-host on the Gauntlet podcast. Uh, they're just amazing, and I'm so happy that he's on the show. Uh, you should go follow them at Temporal Hiccup on Twitter. Now, before we dive in, I do have just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, briefly, there are some Patreon backers that I need to thank. Thank you to our newest backers on Patreon, Peter Ike, Andrew Bailey, Donna McCarthy, Anissa Danny, Carol Assertion, Sam Lee, and Brian Colm. And thank you to Kevin Gallagher, Alice Kira, and RD for increasing your pledges. I appreciate all of this support. You have done a tremendous amount to help us pay our guests, pay for hosting fees, support the show. Uh, I really, truly appreciate it, and so thank you. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. I am, like, excited is not even the right word for how pumped I am for this recording. Uh, I am joined by Ray Najati. Ray, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Thank you so much for having me. I think I'm just as excited, if not more excited, than you to be here. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, this is... Uh, I'm on top of the world. This is this is going to be great. I am so pumped. And uh, to tell people why I am so pumped, why don't you take a moment and let our lovely listeners at home know about what we are playing this week, as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about. Yeah, so everybody, thank you so much for listening. Basically, we are going to be playing Apocalypse Keys. So Apocalypse Keys started off and still very much is at the heart of it my tribute, my love for the Hellboy comics and movies, especially the BPRD comics, especially the Guillermo del Toro movies. And so Apocalypse Keys is a game of monsters holding back the apocalypse 
monsters who must stop the harbingers before they become harbinger harbingers themselves. And it is a game of mystery, of investigation, of big, big action, even bigger emotions. And yeah, it is like unapologetically monstrous, queer, and really, really ridiculously over the top. So I'm so excited to be playing it with you today, Jeff. Uh, all of those things are like could not be more up my alley. I mean, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, still is in my top five superhero comic book movies some 15 years after it came out. Like I it is uh so I've been I've been following this game for a very long time and I am so excited to to know that it's gonna be out in the world. It's gonna be on Kickstarter uh when this episode is out, so go check the show notes for a link to that back it, make it a reality. Um, I am so, so excited. Um, so why don't I go ahead and introduce the character that I am playing? I've already, uh, made a character, um, uh, because there was a particular playbook that, like, the second you announced it, the second you, like, <laughs> rolled it out to the world, like, I was like, well, that's obviously what I'm playing. Like, <laughs> that's the playbook. That's, that's the one. That's mine. That's my playbook. <laughs> and I, I, I will fight anyone that says otherwise. Uh, so uh, my playbook is The Last. I have been strengthened and forged through tragedy. I embody the grief and the peace of the apocalypse. My power is reflective, sorrowful, and hopeful. And my heart yearns to comfort and be comforted. The Last is the last of their kind. They are the the, the last remnant of a world and people long destroyed. Uh, I'm certain that listeners would have no idea why I might a- why I might be attracted <laughs> to that archetype within superhero fiction. It is a mystery, um, and I have made a character that is a combination of all of many of the things that I love dearly. Uh, and his name is Only One, Only One, which is short for There Can Be Only One. Uh, only One is the last of a a race of immortals. Some would call us vampires. Others, gods. Others, the princes of the universe itself, uh, but we were immortals that were that could only be killed by piercing our heart, traditionally with a stake or a sword, or in my case, a spear. Um, but the, our, tra- our our people were destroyed. Our world was destroyed uh, by tragedy, and that tragedy was our own ignorance and pride. We destroyed ourselves. We bought into a prophecy. We 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 a prophecy came to us of. A game, a competition that if we staked our hearts and fought to the death, the last of us that stood uh, would receive an ancient and powerful prize beyond comprehension. I am the winner of that prize and my only prize and the only thing I won was witnessing the dread terrors in deep space that wished to consume the world with me as their champion and I denied them. And that is what has brought me to division which is the organization that holds back the apocalypse that is what has brought me here i have been in this place for a very long time and i i do not intend on leaving anytime soon Ooh, how long have you been with the division like because division has been around in like one form or another for the longest time or is that something we're going to play to find out um, I'm going to throw that to you and say how long how long do you picture this iteration of division having existed Ooh, interesting. Actually, that's that's part of the description for this special one-shot mystery. So normally Apocalypse Keys is built for like these long campaigns of, mm-hmm. of some length, like four sessions at least, but the book does come with a special one-shot version called The First Door. 
And the first paragraph of the description is, division has existed in one form or another for hundreds of years. The world has always existed on the very edge of apocalypse, the smallest light in an endless dark. For as long as there have been monsters, humanity has leashed them to secret and service, to hold back the harbingers and their dreams of destruction. Division has had many names, faces, and countless incarnations. Division has been destroyed and reborn across sacred rituals, secret societies, and top secret government agencies. Even when this incarnation of division ceases to exist, it will resurface in another place and time, as long as there is a world to protect and an apocalypse to hold back. So my question is, has your character been around before this version of division and were you like helping them out before that one i think uh the, the i'm going with we're, we're going big today is what is what's happening if we're <laughs> oh, gonna yeah. go for, if this is if this is if this is uh this is a big game and we're swinging big i was there for the first iteration of division hundreds Ooh. of years ago mm-hmm. um it was it was a very small group then it was only a handful of us and I was there out of self-interest. It was, um, I think, let's say, I'm going to get the dates wrong and someone is going to at me about historical <laughs> accuracy, but it was, it was a group of, it was a group of people that, uh, and it was the first person that I struck through the heart. Um, Ooh. we were a group that impaled Vlad the Impaler <gasps> for the first time. Oh, wow. Very um, cool. And, like, uh, obviously, we did not succeed at that. Dracula has appeared a thousand times because I'm not taking Dracula <laughs> off the table just yet. Um, eventually, we struck him down. Um, but I I like the idea that uh, only one was there for that first group. Like, mm-hmm. like all, you know, tunics and chain mail and th- th- that same spear that is on his back now. Ooh. And like has drifted and like much of that drifting was fighting the game right was fighting the mm-hmm. was fighting the, the the endless battle and and withering down the ranks of the immortals and i think that like in the in the decades since he won and since he kind of witnessed he saw the sort of hollowness at the end of winning the game did he kind of like float backwards and and remember that this was a this was a cause that he stood for once and he's like maybe i can take that role again and actually like do some good for this world that i have kind of floated through for the last thousand some years ooh i love that so 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 much that is very very cool awesome so on that note i think is there anything else you want to tell us about um, I think the only other thing is um, what the darkness is demanding of me. Ooh, that's right. Delicious. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I, I'll cover my powers of darkness and what the darkness demands of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I have flight and speed. I, I, I can, you know, fly on the lightning and Ooh. I carry this spear on my back. This old, big, like, gothic-looking, dark, stark, like, black metal, like, onyx spear on my back. Ooh. And so this weapon in particular, was it, like, something that was given to you or something that was carried through the family, something you created for yourself? I... I mean, I'm such a sucker for the weapon that you forge yourself. Like oh, yeah. we've got to, we've got to lean into our our tropes, and like this is mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. this is what I forged. 
This is what I forged myself, you know, uh, ages and ages ago. It is the weapon that struck that fur that struck through the heart of Vlad the Impaler. I've carried the sword with me for centuries, and like my 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 project. I think if you were to if you were to wander Division headquarters in its modern iteration, find only one. He is just like. He is in like a sub basement with a with a vent and a chimney, and he just hammers on this spear Ooh. and like polishes it and reforges it and recasts mm-hmm. it and just like reworks it constantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what the darkness demands of me is to awaken the leviathans in space and destroy all life on Earth. It is. Um, like when, when I won the game, when I, when I struck down the last of the immortals, what I saw was all of cosmos, which is why my eyes contain a galaxy. And what I saw was the horrors, the horrors floating in the deepest reaches of space. And what I was confronted with was that like they were coming, they could not be stopped and they wanted me to be their champion. And that was that this whole this whole thing was just finding the strongest warrior to finding the strongest warrior to to stand by them and I I have denied that that destiny but that's what they want of me. Ooh, right. I can't wait to get into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm hyped. Yeah. I'm hyped. I had very, a lot of fun cool. making. I had a lot of fun making this like Superman Highlander character. It was very yeah. very fun today. When you were describing it earlier, I could hear the Highlander music in my head it's from the TV all, series. I, it is legitimately one of my favorite movies and so like doing that with the Superman law the last <laughs> playbook like it was like this is everything that I want. This is this is my movie monster and I'm going to make the most of this. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Did we go over what you what your character looks like? Because I remember when you described it. Uh, we did it. not. We did mm-hmm. not, actually. Um, so uh, the, my look is eyes that contain a galaxy, uh, a wound that I will never allow to heal, which is that I am, I am kind of tall and a little pale and lanky, but my chest is kind of uh, like cut open. And like, uh, like the skin is sort of peeled, and there is a plate of bulletproof glass that I placed in my chest sometime in the in in the sometime in the sixties or seventies. Like oh, yeah, I planted that sure. and Very like cool. bolted it into place because I wasn't going to allow anybody to stake my heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the years since then, I've just never fixed it. I I, I see it as a reminder of what I did, and it is it is my it is my it is my emblem in a much more in a, in a very kind of tragic way and uh and a litany of strange questions that i ask i think that you know i've lived for a thousand years the questions that i ask of people are are, are strange and winding and <laughs> terrifyingly precise in a way that that makes people uncomfortable in conversation sometimes right right that just comes from being around for so long and yeah. seeing things differently right yeah, absolutely love it. So I think with that, that is only one, right? Our lone mm-hmm. investigator working for Division. At this time, there are several monsters that work for Division. And we, in the world of Apocalypse Keys, monsters are real, but they are ignored mostly by humanity. Most monsters mm-hmm. are not as powerful as you, though. 
right? So Mm -hmm. what makes you special is you are called an omen class monster, right? So the the division has classified different monsters. And so you have to reach a certain power level and be of a certain danger to the world to be like classified as an omen monster. Mm -hmm. The only ones that are more dangerous than you are the Harbinger class monsters. So these are monsters that have chosen to give into what the darkness demands. And they're chasing down these ancient doors of power in order Mm. to gain ascension, in order to open enough doors and have the apocalypse happen on their own terms. Right. So what you do and other monsters do, other omens of division, is try to keep the Harbingers from getting to as many doors as possible, right? In order to protect this world. So what we're playing is this particular mystery is called the first door, right? So it is only a complexity two mystery, which means our doomsday clock, which is connected to this, only has two ticks. So if we hit the full doomsday clock, which is maybe could happen with this, this episode, we'll see it means that the worst case scenario is going to happen, right? And so it doesn't mean you'll lose technically, right? It doesn't mean that it's going to be the absolute end of the world, but it's the worst case scenario that you're going to have to make your way through, right? And so from here, I'm going to read out the message that you receive from Division about what your duties are. So Omen Class Monster. Monstrous agent trainer Vex and new recruit Mr. Nock have both gone missing. Our psychics have deciphered a distress signal from decommissioned Division Base 0001, where the first door is secured under maximum security protocols. These security measures have been compromised and are now ineffective against Harbinger-class monsters. Find Vex and Mr. Nock. If either or both have succumbed to the harbinger within them, you have direct orders to eliminate them. Hmm. Find the door power and contain it before the harbinger claims ascension. So we're using the Roll20 version, and actually I can show you what the mystery map looks like. Um, Oh, that's so cool. This is so cool. It's very good stuff. Fred Hicks did such a good job. (laughs) of pulling this together. I was just here on the side going like, can you please make everything look a little more gay and cool? (laughs) But Fred did an an amazing job. So, Uh, but yeah, so we have on one side, the keys that you uncover, the clues that you uncover, we'll like take note of that. Mm -hmm. And you have your message from the division all the way to the right. And then you'll see that there are facets. So these are facets of the mystery that we're going to keep in mind, right? Because later... Mm -hmm you'll be connecting the keys to these facets. And so the things that we have to keep in mind is the abandonment of division base 0001, the harbinger and the door of power, and how you decide to interpret these facets is up to you. So that's going to be exciting stuff that we're, I'm I'm jumping a little ahead because I'm a little excited, but uh, we'll get into that. So I'm so I'm I'm high, I'm pumped I'm I'm thrilled I'm having I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'll give you the very basics of what you know. You've been around since the beginning, so you know Vex. In fact, I'm going to say that you were the monster that helped recruit Vex mm. way mm-hmm. way back, right? I'm going to say that it was Vex who helped you figure out that bulletproof casing. Right? Oh, that's great! I love that. 
Yeah. So Vex is just known as the child of the Kraken. They have monsters that are connected to the Leviathans of the sea. So mm. there's a there's a little bit of a connection between the the two of you. You both understand what it's like. Yeah. To be connected to Krakens that want to destroy the world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Vex and you used to be partners, right? You were fighting the good fight. You were fighting alongside other monsters. But Vex got so heartbroken over how easy it was to lose monsters to the Harbingers. How if they weren't destroyed by the Harbingers, they became Harbingers. And so Vex became a trainer instead, like retired from the field in order to train other monsters. And Mr. Nock is someone who is part of the new program called the Ascension Project, which Vex does not like. Right, so the Ascension Project is shrouded in mystery. No one is exactly sure what Division is doing. But basically, Mr. Nock used to be two people. They used to be Bella, a little girl, who had a monster under the bed, only known as Michael. And so when both of them joined Division and the Ascension Project, their power level was like 3,000% lower than what was considered Omen class. But thanks to the Ascension Project, they are now one of the strongest omens, and they have become one being known as Mr. Nock. So they mm. used to be two people, right? So you mm -hmm. know that Vex and Mr. Nock disappeared under... They, they had a confrontation of some kind at the Division three days ago, and then disappeared. Division hasn't been able to track them down until just recently, until you just found out that for some reason... Both of them are division base 0001, is what the psychics have been able to confirm for you. So you are whisked away over there. It takes a while to get to division mm -hmm. base 001. And a previous apocalyptic threat compromised specific aspects of reality just to get there, right? So just yeah. to get to the base takes incredible resources from division. You have to make use of approved portal activations, finely tuned spell tech machinery is required just to make sure you don't overshoot the target. So when you reach here, the entrance to the base is massive. It's like built into the mountains. It's nothing but snow and cold and white and gray. And you see these huge doors, massive. They're like three stories tall, made of bespelled metal, and the doors are torn wide open. And there's a path of destruction that leads into the abandoned headquarters. So standing in the snow with their long white hair tied back in a ponytail is a division agent, Angel Goremel. The angel throws a dying cigarette onto the concrete, crushing it under the heel of an expensive shoe. So you and Angel Goremel worked with Vex before, right? Mm -hmm. The three of you were partners. And so... Whenever anyone asked Angel Gorma how they fell from heaven, they offer a different story each time. Mm. So why did Angel Gorma tell you the truth? And why won't you tell anyone else? Um, Angel told me the truth to shut me up. <laughs> because he kept we asking. Were, uh -huh. we, it wasn't that we uh, necessarily that I kept asking. Hmm. I kept pointing out the inconsistencies in their stories. Like we were like we were partners for a very long time, right? Mm -hmm. Like I uh -huh. think that I've been with this modern version of Division 
probably since the 80s, so it's been yeah. it's been 30 years. And I think like in that time, like Angel, Angel and Vex and I were 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 three. We were three prongs of a trident. So I heard them tell this story a million different ways. And I every time they would tell the story, I would needle them and be like, wait, I thought that I thought that the Roman centurions, you know, I thought that they cut <laughs> your head off. I thought that you I thought when you came down, you you burned them all alive. Like I would needle them and needle them. And it wasn't until one day that the two of us were sitting and I, I, I began needling them and their demeanor changed. They, they, their, 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 their hair kind of, which is normally, like you said, like in back in that very nice mm-hmm. ponytail kind mm-hmm. of like, uh, the, the, the hairband kind of erupted and the hair kind of flew out <laughs> and their eyes went white and they told me the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think the part of the reason why I can never tell anyone is like, the truth is the word of is the word of heaven. Like, like mm-hmm. it is, it is spoken in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is spoken in a way of just like another another plane of existence. Whether or not I, whether or not I, I, whether or not I believe from where thence they came, like they spoke with the words of another another plane of existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't pull back, and I can't put those words into a comprehensible manner of speaking and why would i it's their story to tell that's why they told it in the way that they did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely and as you're walking up to angel Gormel, there's a moment where we like cut back to when they like spoke the truth to you and that there's a close-up of their mouth and the viewer can like barely understand barely comprehend mm-hmm. the words of heaven right before it cuts back to this angel Gormel. eyes uh, the glowing the film the mm-hmm. film effect of it is they cut to the they cut to a close up of Angel's face and they over what they do is they they there's two audio tracks and they overlay it being spoken backwards on top of it being spoken forward so that like a you can't isolate the audio like even the viewers at home can't isolate the audio and it is just indecipherable perfect it is two perfect. completely at odds audio tracks and it is uh incomprehensible to listen to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that so much. Right. And so when we cut back to the present time, Angel Goramel rarely smiles, but they'll always smile for you. And they say, only one. It's been a long time, too long. You look terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know... You look about as good as you feel, and I think that my looks say it all. How are you, my friend? And I place a hand on their shoulder. Um, I am wearing specifically. Uh, we are like you mentioned the snow, and I picture we are. I'm pick. I'm getting big, like Arctic bunker energy. Oh yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. And I visualize uh, what I am wearing is a black dress shirt that is uh in leaning into leaning into the queerness of the game button down very low <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect in part also cuz you then you see the the you see the the glass plate and you can see the heart beating um and like uh like gray dress pants and white new balance sneakers uh, and i've got the spear on my back uh my hair is a mess and i i sure enough i do look just god awful <laughs> just <laughs> exhausted and you know stubbly and just 
just real rough, real rough dirtbag look. And frankly, it's it, it it works. It does work. It needs to be noted. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Absolutely. And so Angel Goromau, uh, when you put your hand on their shoulder, they reach over and put an arm around you in return. And Angel Goromau says, oh, but friend, I do worry about you. I shouldn't have waited so long. Well, it can't be helped. We're here now. We're working now, but later. If there's one thing I'm good at, you should know that it's staying alive one way or the other. I. It seems like the one that we should be worrying about is Vex. Do you, do you think that it may have been possible? Do you think that they may have given in? You said it. And Gorima pauses and looks towards the yawning chasm, the darkness, and you can hear from within the mountain growling, right, beckoning the two of you. Mm-hmm. And Gorima says, you and I both know that the darkness calls and calls, and it never stops calling. But you and I also know that Vex was always the toughest bitch and toughest than the two of us combined. They would, no, I don't, I don't think she'd give in. I can't, I can't believe it. I won't let myself believe it. Not until I have to. You know, I always thought, I, I, I always thought that I was stubborn and then I met Vex and I think if anybody has the power to push against that, that clawing, that clawing feeling, it would have been them. So whatever's waiting for us down there. And I think that like, he kind of adjusts his shoulder blades, right? Like he kind of like lets it settle, lets that spear settle on his, on like, like on his back, but he does not, he does not take it out, but he kind of very, just feels it pressing against him. Let us go and go and do what needs to be done for our friend. Right. And so the moment you say that, when you turn back to Angel Gormel, he steps, they step forward. And there's a moment where their huge wings come unfurled and the wings just seem to stretch out towards forever. And there's this great sound as the wind rushes towards Angel Gormel and they push through into the darkness beyond. And the two of you can hear this howling wind. At first you think, it's the wind moving through the mountain, through the division mm-hmm. base. But then there's a part of the sound that becomes twisted, a single keening wail that overwhelms the both of you. You can feel the sound tear through you, leaving behind burning after images just of caves and tunnels and shifting. And there's something within you, a desperation, like a pain that's just mm-hmm. racking through your mind and body. There's a moment when we flash back to you, like, screeching and pulling the spear, like, in that moment mm-hmm. right before you were going to win, and suddenly you're back here, mm-hmm. and you see, like, these horrifying creatures, like, crawling from the ceiling. And if you look closely, you can see, like, some of them are, like, wearing what remains of, like, division uniforms, but... There are too many eyes, too many teeth. 
they have too many hands and there are too many mm -hmm. of them just moving all over. And you can see Angel Gorma like immediately like move forward in front of you to protect you. And, and, and I like graciously, I graciously like same kind of gentle hand on their shoulder as they move in position to protect me. I graciously kind of move them aside. And the, the, the one other moment that I need to note is as they, mm -hmm. they unfurl their wings and we first make our way into the tunnel, I just lean behind them. After decades, you still have not learned how to tone it down. Uh, and so now we are staring. So we are just are standing side by side, <laughs> like looking up at these things. And I've like gracefully, you know, just like inched them aside ever so much. And I'm like, my friend, you know that this is what you know that this is what the last thousand years have brought me to. You may as well let me enjoy it. Well, I'll let you have just some of the fun. Understood. We can, we, we, what have we learned over the last 30 years, if not to share? And I think now is the moment that he is <laughs> unfurling his spear. Uh, and then he, you know, takes off into the air. Uh, there is a, there is a, even, even though we are in this cave, there is like a crackle of lightning and thunder and like an ex a burst of it. And he, he flies up into the, into the air towards the ceilings of these caves to, to lash at these things. And I am going to unleash the dark. I would like Ooh. to unleash the darkness and, and, uh, uh, let loose upon these things. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, this particular move is, I'm just going to read it out for, mm -hmm. uh, people back home. So, Dun, 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 dun. Just scrolling. Here we go. So when you unleash the dark within you to enforce your will on someone physically, socially, emotionally, this sounds very physical to me. Yeah. We will spend darkness tokens and roll. So do we, ooh, let's double check. So for the last, in order to um, gain darkness tokens, I have a feeling you must have at least hit one of these things. Um, let me double check. Let's see. Da, 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 da. I, I think I react. I think I reacted with doubt or confusion. That's true. That's true. So normally, um, let's go back to that moment mm -hmm. uh, where you did. Do you think? I feel like it was kind of that moment when you asked about Vex, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, how you can gain two to four darkness tokens, right? So, how much? I. I think I'm going to gain two. I don't think it was particularly, I don't think it was a particularly heavy moment, but I think mm -hmm. that there was definitely a moment of like, how could our most trusted and toughest friend fall like this? Right, right. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So you do have two darkness tokens. Would you like to spend both for the role or? I would absolutely like to spend both for the role. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also going to note that I was reshaped by despair. Which means Ooh. that when I choose to unleash the dark, I will describe how my form changes through violence and beauty, causing those around me to despair. When I do, I may choose one from the following options, even on a miss. I may uncover a key at great cost, gain their affection and admiration, gain their fear and loathing, or see into their soul and declare what I find there. Perfect, perfect. I love that so much. All right, so let's see what happens. So uh, you can spend... Your two darkness tokens, and let's see. All right. Spend. 
two tokens, and roll. That is a nine. Ooh, lovely. I love it when that happens. Okay, so on a nine, that is a perfect hit. So compared to other Power by the Apocalypse games and Apocalypse Keys, and this was inspired by another game uh, called Librete, Basically, you're trying to have a perfect hit. You're trying to hit between mm-hmm. 8 to 10. And so we were able to do that, which is like a perfect hit. And so you wield the darkness with control and ease. You get to choose two, but you also have your reshape by despair. I want to hear how you reshape, though. Like, what does it look like when you take out the spear, right? What it looks like is I described that lightning and what it looks like is... um like it strikes me and hurls me into the air and it does it looks like i have been sh- like i have been struck by the world's most gnarly lightning like my veins <laughs> like my veins all become like neat oh. like like they light up and they become blue yes. and like you just see it kind of running through me and like my skin like i i describe myself as pale but it turns white as a corpse and like um you see in my face like um it hits like a thousand years hit me in an instant wow and i become like and it just it, it you see that all of that energy go through me and um and 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 so yeah my my veins become super super starkly colored and my my skin goes white and i just i look like I look like I I said that some would call our immortals vampires, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that like in this moment when I am struck by what I'm struck by uh when I'm struck in in this in the moment of of combat and death, you see it, right? Like I look like the most vampire ass uh <laughs> like Dracula art picture imaginable as I like fly through the air. Uh I actually, and I'm going to lean a little bit further into that. Maybe my, maybe my, maybe my teeth grow into fangs and I get a little bit of that Dracula mouth going up like. Yeah, there's like when the lightning flashes, it goes back and forth, right? There's this kind of strobe effect. Oh, that's so sick. I didn't even think that's so sick. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep, that's sick. That's exactly what it is. Like in the flashes of lightning, like I am a corpse and I am a full like bat creature and I am myself and I am like. You even see, like, a flash of the lightning where I am, like, there is a moment in the original movie Highlander when he finally does, uh, like, win and beat the, beat the, the Kurgan, where he gets hit with lightning and they spent their entire CGI budget on making him this, like, lightning <laughs> elemental dude. Oh, yeah. And we perfect. see that for a second and we see him flashing through all of these, like, horrifying visages. And, um, and that is what we see as I just, I, I blast at these things, uh, like tearing and stabbing and striking and swirling my spear before finally like landing as bodies just drop around me. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Absolutely. Excellent. So what are you going to choose from, uh, Unleash the Dark? I am going to choose getting past their defenses and inflicting a condition. Perfect, perfect. And your second choice. And, um, and I am also going to choose uncovering a key at great cost. Ooh. 
I love this so much. All right. So when you're, I assume your spirit is like going to land like near where the howlers are through the ceiling, right? Yeah. Is yeah, what's yeah. happening, right? And so when that happens, the lightning pulls, like there are dozens of them, but at mm-hmm. least two dozen are like pulled towards your spirit. You can see the lightning arc through them. And there's this moment, like this is very comic booky Mignola where mm-hmm. they like reach back and you can see the skeleton within them, right? And you can really see like how they have been shifted and mutated and changed over the years, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can see how unnatural all of this is. And several of them like fall down from the ceiling, like fall down onto the ground, like just completely dead, right? Like immediately. But even as that happens, and this is the, um, the key that you're going to get, you see that there are these speakers like that come down from the ceiling. Like these are Mm -hmm. like really way back from like, this was like future tech from the sixties. Right. And so it looks very weird and old right now. And these speakers come down and you recognize the song of the Kraken, the song that comes to you Hmm. whenever you close your eyes and sleep with the Kraken, the Leviathans in space, like Mm -hmm. reach out and you know that this is the same song that has called Vex over and over again. The both of you truly suspect that the Kraken that Vex knows that she is a child of is a mm-hmm. Leviathan from deep space that had managed to escape and come here. Mm. And so the cost is, I'm going to say that as this comes to you, like you hear the sound like you can feel the Leviathan stirring, right? It cuts back to that moment in cold space. There's a moment where we see that electricity crackle around them and they shift a little bit and start to wake up. <laughs> so yep. how does this make you feel? I feel like we should have you mark a condition for this That cost. sounds great. I think <sighs> I, I looked at the four conditions, which are cornered, distant, merciless, and despairing. Mm-hmm. And going going off of my gut, right? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna allow a moment of leading leaning into that leading into that that bleed of like how I felt when you were describing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna mark merciless. I'm gonna say like Ooh. I think that this is a moment where I think this is a moment where when I hear that song, when only one hears that music, and and knows that like. This is something that I have heard and I have heard and it it is it is the taunting voice that I hear in the back of my neck. Mm-hmm. And knowing that like in a moment when I know that my my one of the one of the few closest people I have in this entire world has been dealing with this same thing, the feeling that I get is something somebody or something's gonna die like it is it is that i am that this is not a moment for this is not a moment of holding back this is a moment where something is going to be destroyed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, absolutely yeah do you want to say like and how and as you come in close you recognize mm-hmm. right that these were all former division agents and employees right mm-hmm. but you just your mercilessness just like carries you through. I'm going to offer you because you can gain darkness tokens when you embody a condition 
Do you want to embody a condition and continue attacking the Howlers, just completely wiping them out? I think so. I think that is exactly what happens here. I think that we see that. And I think there is, you know, there is a moment where uh, there is a moment where only one like pulls the spear out of the, the roof of the cave mm-hmm. and like t- like lands on the ground. And one of these howlers like lands in front and we see a flashback to some meeting somewhere and he recognizes this as an agent and you know there's a moment where he almost pauses but the lightning is crackling and his fangs are dripping with blood and viscera and he just one one swipe of the spear and we get the we get the 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 dragon ball z trunk shot as the howler just splits and it's like no no this is not a this is not a moment where where I recognize the humanity of those things that have surrounded me. This is a moment. This is a fight. And if there's one thing I've proven over the last thousand years, it's that I win fights. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds like you can earn two to four. I feel like that's a four. I'll take four. Yeah, because that sounds completely merciless to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that happens, Angel Gorma like lands next to you, like places a hand like without hesitation, reaches out mm-hmm. towards you, even though you're like caught up in the throes of this fight, right? And Angel Gormel says, peace, friend, peace. Only one. Come back to me. And the lightning flashes and we see, uh, we see those, the, you know, the lightning flashes. The lightning flashes like the shuddering of a film reel and we see them kind of becoming faster and faster and changing between them until finally uh, only one is back in the shape uh, of his human form. And he is not looking in Angel's direction and just says, we move forward, we do what needs to be done, and we kill whoever the fuck is responsible for this. We do, my friend, we do. And so... Angel Gorma like looks off towards a distance and you can see like things split off into two directions, right? So on the one hand, you can see like there's this open chasm that just keeps going down and you can see there's something like a shrine that's been built, right? It's built of rust and rot and skeletal remains. It col- It's colossal. Like it reaches up. Mm-hmm. This would be the equivalent of like, 20, 30 stories, right? You can see how far the caves go down. And so the shrine is off to one side, right? And then on the other side, you can see that it leads more towards what remains of the division base, right? And so you recognize this place. You recognize it from the blueprints and everything. Um, You probably helped like set this up at some point in the past. And so it leads you towards the nerve center, which way would you like to go? I have to go towards this towards this shrine. And I think I turn towards Angel and I say that. I'm like, if a Leviathan, if the Leviathan has made its presence known, it is going to come forth. It's going to be loud, it's going to be large, and it's going to come forth in a theatrical display. And that means... Bursting forth on some sort of shrine. I know how, I know 
how over the top these can be sometimes. You recognize that you recognize this, yes? Right. I came from heaven. I understand these things. And Angel Gormel looks towards the other side where the nerve center is and says, I hesitate to say this, but I think this is like back in 1982, we're going to have to split up. There's just too much ground to cover. <laughs> uh, I like that you picked the time that it went the worst for us. I appreciate this. <sighs> no, you and I remember 1982 very differently, my friend. <sighs> yeah, I, want, I bet you would think that because you flew off overhead and had a wonderful experience. Tell me, what, do you, what, do you, what did you see? What, what, how do you remember this differently? Because I remember being knee-deep. My spear saw a lot that day. Clearly, you talk to me. Tell, me. tell me how I am misremembering the time that I had to strike down. Now I'm losing track of numbers. Tell me what I'm missing here. You are missing that you and I are both very capable, very strong monsters stronger than what most of the world has seen and from the skies of 1982 all i saw was victory well earned and um and i think like he kind of i think that he has had on his face like uh, only one this whole time as he was as he was delivering that had like a shit-eating grin on his face and like he pauses and like the grin kind of like goes from being teasing to being warm and a little bit nervous and a little bit afraid and looks off in looks off looks back in Angel's direction and says Well then my friend, let us do what we do best and let us bring home the person that we care about. I there's not many of us left. There's not many of us, period. And I would not like to lose someone again. I know too well what it's like to walk this road. It's nice to have people to walk with. <laughs> and Angel Gormel nods and says, yes, that's true. We'll bring home Vex no matter what. And so Angel Gormel like reaches over, kisses you on top of the forehead and like places a hand on your cheek and says, I will go deeper into what remains of the vision. You will go seek out the shrine, but I will be at your side should you need anything. We will not be too far apart from each other. And I think he uh, only one pauses for a moment and says, <laughs> and I think he, he sets for a second and then pauses and he goes, I almost said to you, Godspeed, and that feels somewhat offensive, so I will not, and I will merely say, go, my friend, and kind of gives a little bit of a, of a flourish. And then uh, that's what Angel Goramel says, oh, the last time I received a gift from God, that did not go well. Uh, before they <laughs> Well, then let deeper. us go make our own gifts. Ah, perfect, like, perfect. Puffs up his chest and moves on, and moves past. Perfect, perfect. And so... Uh, from there, you go deeper towards the shrine. And so just to, just to where we are in the mystery, we already have one key, the Song mm -hmm. of the Kraken, captured in an old device. And you move towards the shrine. So you can see it's colossal, reaches up many stories. It's down from below in the depths. But as you move through it, you can see there are several, like, dead 
and dying howlers. Some of them came from the fight, right? Mm-hmm. But you can also tell like a lot of these howlers fight amongst each other as well. Yeah. Right? Like they tend to like, you can tell that they're trying to destroy each other, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of desperation about it. By the time you reach them, they're like, several of them are dead. There's nothing you can do about it. But what do you find in the shrine that shocks you? Um, what I find in the in that shocks me, um let's lean let's lean into it. Let's mm-hmm. lean into let's 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 fire Chekhov's gun. I think oh. that if we've if we've if we've teased something, let's fire Chekhov's gun and say what is here is um impaled upon like uh, impaled upon a very old um like a pike or a polearm is the impaled upon body of of Vlad the Impaler itself and it is like oh. on this shrine staring at me at the, as and like whether whether it can be resuscitated or revived or whether it is just a dead body and a reminder like it is here it is preserved in the way that I kind of knew that it would be Mm-hmm. And it is it is it is just directly in front of me. Wow. Yeah, and you can see like there's a quality of the body of Vlad the Impaler that reminds you of the howlers, right? And when mm-hmm. you take a look closer, you can see how the body has been stitched and restitched together mm-hmm. over and over again. And when you start to realize that, like you're looking in closer, that's when you see one of the dead howlers nearby just suddenly <gasps> take in this deep breath and both the howler and Vlad's mouth start to move and the strange voice comes through that says, by the decree of the first door, nothing dies, nothing lives. There is only peace and understanding. And you can see Vlad is like slowly waking up what do you do? Um, uh, I would love to. So the first thing I would love to do is, um, I think I would love to propose that I gain uh, some darkness tokens. Ooh, yeah. Because I have on here feel lonely or rejected, and I mm. have on here so I ask someone to tell me of their past. Mm. And I think those moments with Angel, I think, hit both of those. Definitely, definitely. So I think I, if I might just pump that up by two, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, and I think what happens is I think um, I think he stays his blade. I think that he, you know, the, the spear is back on his back and he kind of pauses as he kind of stirs. I think that he he lingers and you know what? I, 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 I'm looking at my sheet and I think mm-hmm. like, I mean, this is Vlad the Impaler. This is my first and oldest enemy. And this is mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> someone that I have struck down and killed many Ooh. times. And I am feeling especially merciless today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I hear nothing lives, nothing dies. Everything simply is. And I say, well... That's unfortunate news for this place because you are in the presence of someone that is very good at making things die and the spear comes out and directly next to where this other uh, polearm has already pierced it just 
straight into the straight into the chest as of this stirring body that may or may not be another of my kind. Ooh, right. And so as as it comes down, you can see like the body react and you can hear the flesh unfurling. It almost mm-hmm. moves like water, like the storm, and you can hear the rumbling in the distance as the flesh reaches out, grabs the spear and pulls it in. And you can see the spear is changing, turning into bone, the blackest bone. And you can feel like the power of the first door, whatever it is, is is reaching through. So do you want to try to grasp a key in this moment? I would love to try and grasp to a key. To figure out I, what is happening. Mm-hmm. I am going to spend two darkness tokens. Mm-hmm. And I am going to grasp a key. Perfect. And so are you like using your powers of darkness? Are you using the spear? Are you I think I'm I think I'm using the spear, which is so which is I guess one of also one of my powers of darkness mm. is it is this weapon of the apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. it is the weapon that struck down the immortals. And so I think in doing so, like I am I am watching as it changes. And to a certain extent. So, uh, uh, even though it, even though like, I think this is strictly for flavor, but I did a thing and I want to roll with it a little bit. Oh yeah, sure. I don't have any bonds with anyone mm-hmm. and, but, and I, I clicked what I thought was the spend and roll button, but I clicked the spend bonds button. Mm. And so I think even if it is strictly narrative, which I think it is, mm-hmm. I'm using my knowledge of my oldest enemy, right? Like, like Ooh. I am watching... I have struck this this I've struck this person with a spear so mm-hmm. many times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I know how they're going to react. And mm-hmm. so I am using this spear. I am using this as much as a sense of how much of my old friend, enemy, lover, how much of them is this? Is this reaction and how much of them is the Leviathan? To, to suss this out. And I think that is that is how I am grasping at this key. Ooh, perfect, perfect. I love that so much. So I am going to spend two points of darkness. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's an 11. I really shouldn't have spent those two points of darkness. <laughs> I love that how, how that happens in the game. And sometimes yep, it's the opposite. It's great. Where it's, like- <laughs> it's great. It's so good. I I So I love so much that feeling of I want to spend these points to ensure that I don't I don't fail, but I'm so nervous about overspending. It creates such a great tension that really captures that feeling of like I'm going to go too far. Right, right, right. Like a monster it's, that doesn't know how to control yeah. themselves, but is trying their best. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So we have a disastrous success on an 11 plus. You uncover a key, but there's a significant complication, cost, or fallout, and the keeper will tell you what it is. So. The key that you uncover is as you like, I assume that you're going to like grab back your spear because Mm -hmm. like this belongs to you, right? This is your weapon. And the spear reaches out. The two of you like, you have spent so much time reforging the spear. It is like an extension of yourself, but it is also somehow its own entity. There's a way that it reaches out and communicates with you. In, in a way that can't really be described, right? And mm-hmm. so when the spear reaches out, it pulls you in. And then that's when you see that on the other hand of Vlad, like a strange 
mirror image of the spear starts to form, right? And Vlad starts to laugh and says, if only you knew how much they were trying to make sure you weren't the last. If only you knew how much Division truly loved you, right? And so the key that I'm giving you is that one of the experiments, at least, that happened here in this particular base, they were trying to recreate your spear. <laughs> and you see it start to form in Vlad's hand. And while yours is like this beautiful, dark onyx, like this one is like white ivory, right? And mm -hmm. you see Vlad just completely turn this horribly, sickly, pale white as the first door. Whatever this first door is, like restitches him pushes out the weapon and he stands in front of you and he's growing taller, right? Like now he's like six feet, seven feet, reaches almost nine feet. His eyes is like bright red. And so the complication is we have this like scary motherfucker in front of you, mm -hmm. like just yeah. completely forming. You can see bits of the shrine and the dead howlers like reaching into his body, like he's feeding off of it. And we can see these huge teeth, you know, along the top and bottom, like start to pull out and Vlad like lets out this laugh and says, and so my friend, perhaps this time you'll finally learn the truth. So I'm just going to make sure I write down this key before we forget, um, before things go down. Mm -hmm. uh, division attempted to recreate. Uh, Right, and you can see like the weapon like pulsating. Like mm -hmm. every time Vlad's weapon pulses, yours pulses in response. Right, that's, like the two of sick. them are connected. Yep, right, that's that's cool way. as hell. <laughs> okay, so you already have like two keys, but there's Vlad in front of you, and right, what do you do? <sighs> if it were anyone else, mm -hmm. I would try and make a connection right i would i would if it were anyone else i would own the fact that maybe i don't have to be the last anymore mm -hmm. that pull that pull that feeling of isolation is so strong that were it any other per had if division if division knew their shit <laughs> and it were any other person any of the hundreds of people that i struck down this would be a moment of this would be a moment uh where i would where i would try to make that connection but not not vlad <laughs> and Absolutely. i think that i think i as i as i as the lightning crackles and i start to change shape we see flashback upon flashback of all of the different times that vlad and only one have fought um all of the different times that that like uh all the different times that Vlad has torn off only one's head, all of the different times that only one has ripped out Vlad's guts, like the two of them, we see the two of them just tearing into each other, all mm -hmm. of the times they have fought, all of the times they have hate-fucked, like everything has blurred into this, and it's like, you and I both know how this is gonna go, and the spear comes out, and the lightning crackles, and uh, flying... I think as Vlad has grown, 
I think that only one, the spear is not enough. The spear mm-hmm. is not the weapon that is going to strike this gigantic version of Vlad in the heart. Mm-hmm. Only one is the is the spear that is going to stab Vlad oh. through the heart. And so it's just, it's Dragon Ball Z flying at the chest to just puncture it right through the heart. Right, right. And so this sounds like power through darkness because it feels like you're pushing the limit of your supernatural powers. Yeah, that feels good. That feels to do the extraordinary because this is like, you've fought Vlad over these years, but this is not him, right? Like yeah. This is something else entirely. Okay, so how many darkness tokens do you want to spend? I am going to spend, I am going to spend three. Ooh, you're serious. Uh-huh. I, I, I would rat, with, with Vlad standing before me, I would rather go too far than not far enough. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Ah! Uh, <laughs> And we are at a disaster. And that success. is, and that is an eleven. I like I said, I would rather go too far, which it's means I'm on the edge of disaster. I can mark a condition to exert better control of my powers, or I can, or I can let the keeper tell me how the situation is not under my control. What do you think? <sighs> I'm gonna mark distant. <gasps> Ooh, I think that this is. I think. This is this is this is that mercilessness and this is that hardness mm-hmm. uh forcing like I said this is that sense of like the loneliness of being the last of my kind is so overpowering mm-hmm. and this is me shoving that that overwhelming cry of a desperation to connect that is me shoving that into a box and shoving that as far down as possible mhm mhm Ooh, I love that so much. Yeah, so go ahead and mark that condition. What does it look like when when you become the weapon that will crash through, right? When you it, embody all of that, like, sorrow and rage so that it's no longer a part of you and become distant? Um, It is remarkably still. There is a moment of no movement, Vlad is perfectly still staring at me, waiting for me to make the move. I'm staring up at Vlad, perfectly still, not even breathing. And then there is a single flash of lightning. A single crackle of thunder. And a lightning, it it is a lightning bolt that pierces through Vlad's chest. And then driven into the stone is... Holding the spear with both hands is only one on the other side, having just torn straight through Vlad's uh, chest. Ooh, I like that. Right. And so there's this moment where, like, Vlad is just incredibly still. And you can see, like, I'm resisting the urge to go into too much detail. But, right, we can can see the mark Mm -hmm. that you left behind, basically. And then... The body just slumps over and instead of it crashing into the shrine, like there's a moment where that's supposed to happen, the shrine reaches out with something that's almost like hands and pulls in Vlad's body in this loving embrace. And we can see Vlad like rot away, turn into this skeleton that's made of ivory 
And then Vlad turns around to look at you with these like eyes that are too full of consciousness and soul before it's like seeped away, pulled away by the shrine and swallowed whole. And I think rather than even chase, rather than rather than can even continue to chase this first door, rather than continue any of this, there's a real moment where I pull the spear from the roof of the cave, I come down and I just like sit cross-legged, staring at that shrine. Really like, not even, not, not emoting... Not screaming, not crying, not gnashing, not doing any of the things that I want to do, just staring and truly acknowledging I did this. I had a chance not to do this. I had a chance to not be only one anymore. And I didn't take it. Ooh, this sounds like you're feeling lonely. I am definitely feeling lonely. Yeah. How many tokens do you think you're going to take for this? I'm going to take three tokens. For, uh, no, I think this, yeah. this, I think, yeah, three feels right. Yeah, yeah. It's a truly harrowing yeah. moment, right? To truly sit here and realize how how alone you are in this universe. Yeah. And that I could have not been, but I couldn't allow myself that moment. Beautiful. And so the moments pass, like even the howlers, like, acknowledge what's happened and what you've done and they sort of like pull back right the ones that are not dead or dying or Uh and time passes you're not sure how much and then in the distance you can hear a strange voice bella bella where are you bella please bella i'm so i'm so sorry i'm so sorry um i I uh I have a move for this actually. Ooh. Um, nice. I have I will not let tragedy claim another. Mm-hmm. I have grown attached to my fellow monsters. I care deeply about their fates. When an NPC or PC is in peril, I can mark ruin to suddenly appear at the scene ignoring limits of time, distance or plausibility. Ooh, perfect. So, I you think have a that choice. There is a, right. a flash of lightning and I am already uh I'm already upon them. Perfect, perfect. And so you get to choose, like, um, if you want to mark Ruin to simply be there, or do you want to bear a golden opportunity or a superior position? You I'm going to bear a golden two. opportunity. Yeah. Let's, so you, let's mark that second Ruin. Yeah, why not? So when uh, you appear, right, you recognize immediately that this is Michael. And so... You can see, like, there's this long, twisted shadow. You look around, and you realize you're at the research area. You're in the labs of Division. If you had tried to make your way through it, you realize, like, the voice had carried through the caverns. Mm -hmm. But it would have taken you so long just to figure out where the voice was coming from. And, um, ooh, yeah, I'm trying to – I feel like it has to be, like, lightning and shadow, and suddenly you're there, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. you move through that moment uh, to appear. And you can see, like, there's this, like, strange twisted shadow that's along the walls and across the floors. And there are these glowing red eyes. The shadow, like, contradicts all the light sources in the room. There are, like, these beeping sounds. Mm -hmm. There's, like, you can see, like, old equipment covered in dust. And you can see Michael is in a panicked state, right? 
and he says, Bella, the song, I can hear the song. It's, it's, it's singing. It's the door. It's what's in you the can, depths. You can ignore it. You can tone it out. I know that you can. And I think that that's when, that's when the, that's when the lightning crackles and only one makes himself known is what's the first thing that he says. Mm-hmm. Breathe and focus. Center yourself. I know I, that you can. I know that you can ignore that sound. We all can. I believe I, in you. I, I can. I, I, and the golden opportunity I'm going to give you is you get another key. Hmm. Right. And so you see that Michael and. When you come closer, you can see, like, Michael is, like, an obvious signs of trauma. Mm-hmm. You can see where he has been ripped away from Bella, like, all along the side of his body. You can see, like, where parts of his shadow and his powers of darkness have been forcibly pulled apart. It feels like the opposite of what happened to Vlad, right, where Vlad was, like, merged with things. Like, here you can see, like, Michael was, like, torn apart. And in Michael's hands, he's carrying, like, these old, like, cassette tapes, right? And you can see, like, on one of them, it's, like, scrawled 1982. And you realize that Michael has been standing there in front of this, like, tape recorder and has just been, like, feeding it the tapes, playing it over and over again. Like, he's caught in this, like, he's trying to soothe himself, right? And as he plays it, he says, yes, I can, I can calm down. I don't, I can listen to Bella instead. I can, I can listen to Bella instead. I don't have to listen to the song. I know that you can. I know that you can. I can. I I, I can. And Michael puts in the tape, presses play, right? That inky hand and the shadow moves across the cassette player And it's a recording of a division agent speaking to Bella from 1982. But you know that she wasn't alive at that time. You know that Bella is a little girl now. So there's no way that she could have been around. But -hmm. you can hear the division agent, like, speaking to Bella, running through the interview, speaking to her. And she's speaking of another monster that she's attached to that is not Michael. And Michael just says, this is Bella. Isn't this Bella? It sounds like my Bella. And then all around you, these TV screens, these old ones, like huge screens, like thick, right? Turn on. And they're all like different Bellas across different times. So you have evidence of Bella's childhood recorded decades before she was Mm -hmm. born. That's the third key you have. And I think... I think with that, I think with that, I'm going to open this door. <gasps> we're going to unlock this door. I think okay. we're unlocking, I think we're unlocking the door. I think that, that feels, that feels like a good, that feels like a good closing, closing beat. And also I want to break out that mechanic because it's cool as hell. Uh, I think that we're going to unlock Doom's door here. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So when we unlock Doom's door. Um, yeah, I just wanna go to the. I keep forgetting how hard it is to like shift through this massive PDF. Okay, so when you are ready to declare what the door is and how to unlock it, 
Say what you believe it to be. We're going to connect the keys to the facets of the mystery, revealing the harbinger. So let's go with that first. We have our three facets, the mm-hmm. abandonment of division base 0001, the harbinger, and the door of power. And our three keys are the song of the kraken captured in an old device, division attempted to recreate your weapon, and then the last one is evidence of Bella's childhood recorded decades before she was born. And I am going to connect the 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 the, the keys and the I'm going to connect to the facets. Mm-hmm. Um, the door of power. I am going to connect that to the evidence of Bella's childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say the actual. Um, and I think what, how we see those things being connected is I'm, I'm watching all of these tapes. Only one is watching all of these tapes and just mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. quietly pushes stop on them and says, Michael, we're going to get her back. And looks to the sky. Vex, let her go. <gasps> oh my god! And I am connecting a harbinger, the harbinger to the song of the Kraken captured in an old device. <gasps> oh my and gosh. The abandonment mm-hmm. of Division Base 001. 0001. Mm-hmm. This was a base that was, this is the first Division Base of its kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the Division Base that... Division is in charge of protecting from the apocalypse. They have in they have enlisted these monsters, but these monsters are the apocalypse, and so mm-hmm. you have to have a contingency. Mm-hmm. And that contingency is is base zero 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 one. This is where this is where those control mechanisms were built. They built a second weapon. They built a second spear, and part of that. Their way of ensuring that Michael, this living shadow, did not overtake the world was Bella. Mm. Was dozens upon dozens of Bellas. Mm -hmm. Genetic copies, born again and again and again. How old is the story of a little girl with a monster beneath her bed? How many times has that story been told? We see over the decades dozens because that is an anchor. That entity is a powerful door in and of itself, is a door that, if opened, could unleash the power of, of Michael, of this harbinger, and Vex. Vex, 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 you beautiful, strong, stubborn bitch. <laughs> Gave in to the song. And probably not even because of, not probably not even, not even the song. It wasn't even the song that broke them. It was division. It was this organization committing itself so thoroughly to anticipating our deaths and to merging Bella and Michael into Mr. Knock in this cruel and inhumane and magical technical way. Vex broke. And Vex pushed too far. And Vex allowed the Kraken in because it was a more humane 
Allowing the Earth to be consumed by the Kraken was more humane than allowing Division to continue safeguarding it through inhumanity. Absolutely. All right, and so now we're going to roll and see if the theory is the right one. So this is based off the beautiful technology uh, that we can see in games like Brindlewood Bay, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're going to roll and add the number of connected keys minus the mystery's complexity. So you have, it's a complexity two, you have three keys, so that means you're rolling at a plus one. I really, really hope that I roll. I really, really hope that I roll uh, at least an eight because last time when I played Brindlewood Bay, I, I went through that. I went through the whole thing, and it just was like nah. So uh, <gasps> a perfect hit! Perfect hit! A perfect oh my hit! god! I'm so happy! I'm so thrilled! I'm I'm stoked! I am so happy! Uh, I have tracked down Doom's door. I know exactly where it is and how to unlock it. Uh, And you'll present me an opportunity to protect what matters most, (gasps) take down the Harbinger, or drive back the apocalypse. Oh my gosh, perfect, 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 perfect. And so when you call out to Vex and you say, let her go, that's when the speakers come down from the ceiling, the same speakers from earlier, Mm -hmm. right? When you were fighting the Howlers. And this crackling sound comes through and you hear Vex's voice and it sounds so achingly familiar, but it sounds so different at the same time, so hollowed out by the Kraken. And Vex says, I was hoping you'd come only one. I was hoping, why didn't you come sooner? Why couldn't I hold out just a little longer, old friend? But I know what I have to do. I have to protect us. I have to protect all monsters. Bella isn't the answer. She can never be the answer. Whatever division creates is broken, and I will unbreak it with the first door, she says. And as she's speaking, you can feel yourself like reaching through the caverns and the tunnels mm-hmm. of the division base. And Michael reaches out to you and says, I can hear her. I can hear Bella. And Michael reaches out and grabs your arm and you see yourself turning into shadow. And Michael's red eyes flare this bright, bright, bright incandescent red. And you can feel yourself being pulled towards where Vex is. And Michael says, we're going to protect her, right? We're going to save her, right? Monsters look out for monsters. As you as you're pulled through the tunnels, through the concrete, through the stone, through the water, through the wind, you like reach into the heart of Division Base 0001. This is where like the evacuation first occurred. You can see all of these screens like out in the open and you see Angel Goramel's body just like slumped up in the front and you see like Vex facing the monitors and these huge tentacles sprouting from her back, right? And when she moves her body, she doesn't use her legs like the the Kraken's tentacles pushes her instead when she turns around to face you and she kicks over Angel Goramel's body, right? And but you hear you hear them make a sound, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Gormel isn't dead yet, right? 
And, but one of his wings have been torn off Mm. and Vex is carrying it. And she looks at you and she says, I only have to press the button and all the Bellas of the world, all of them. And you can see like all the monitors turn on and there are all these little girls all over the world that look like Bella. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the vision built a safe, a failsafe. Of course they did. Against monsters like us. Against monsters wearing human skins. I only have to press the button. And she's reaching out. And you can tell she doesn't want to. What do you do? Um, I think back. I think back to all of the times... I think back to 1982, and I think back to a moment when it was Vex and I. Angel was up in the skies, and it was Vex and I on the ground, and there were skeletons as far as the eye can see. And there was a moment, there was a moment where a skeleton had... It was just before Angel has Angel was coming from the skies to rescue us, to pull us up. The, you know, the skeletons, the, a spell had been activated. We closed the door, but the skeletons remained. They needed to be wiped out, but they division has teams for that. But one of them, one of these, one of these ghouls had latched itself onto my arm, and I couldn't get it off. And there was a moment where Vex speaks and it is overlaid with what I say and that is it'll grow back and swirling the spear in my hand I know that it is not Vex in control of that hand at this moment I know that she doesn't want to push that button and I'm going to ensure that she can't push that button because it'll grow back Vex Vex will be fine. And I am going to cut that hand off with my spear. And I think we cut to that moment where, like, the spear is in your hand and you realize that the the tentacles of the kraken, like, reach mm-hmm. forward to try to protect her. And then Angel Gorima, with the last of their strength, uses their wings to, like, pull down like the tentacles and Vex mm-hmm. uses the last of her strength to force her hand out there so you can make that clean cut. And she looks at you and there's a tear that breaks through and she says, it'll grow back. It always grows back. And so there's the slice, we can hear it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this screeching sound and the pain and the tentacles like recoil. And then Michael reaches through like the monitors mm-hmm. and presses a shadowy hand through it. And you can see like Michael shows up on every single screen, reaching out to every single Bella, holding them close. Monsters look out for monsters. They in fact do. <laughs> and I think that shot of Michael, of Michael's holding Bella's as the three of us battered and broken emotionally and physically staring at these monitors and only one just whispers that one more time that monsters look out for monsters. And that's game. 
That is, in fact, the game. <laughs> oh, my God. That was incredible. I'm so over the moon. That, that kicked absolute ass. Thank you so much for playing that with me. I'm so, so happy with that experience. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so, so, so much fun. And I'm glad I got to play with you finally. <laughs> I'm really, really happy. This was so great. Um, so real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you, your work, and where can they support Apocalypse Keys online? Yeah. So you can find me on... Uh, Twitter at temp. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. You can find me on Twitter at temporal hiccup, where I post a lot of Sailor Moon gifs and talk about the games I'm working on. And I have a lot of like big projects in the work, including the Twilight Throne, which is a political intrigue, surreal, dark fantasy game of post-colonial politics. And you can check that out when it comes out on temporalhiccup.itch.io. You can support me on patreon.com slash swordqueengames. And most excitingly, Apocalypse Keys is going to be, well, when you listen to this recording, is on Kickstarter. And we have a lot of cool stretch goals in mind that I'm really, really excited for. It'd be really great if we could A, fund and B, hit at least some of those stretch goals. That would be absolutely awesome. I am so excited. This is, like I said, this is a game that I adore, and I've been excited to back it on Kickstarter for a very long time. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for playing this with me. I had the best time. And now I'm <laughs> going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future, me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Ray for coming on to the show. That game was, oh my god, that game was so cool. I could not be more happy with how that turned out. It hit the exact vibes, the exact beats. It was everything that I wanted. Uh, I am going to be gushing about this game for a very long time. And speaking of which, you should head to the show notes. Go to the link for the Kickstarter campaign for Apocalypse Keys. It is just starting its final week. It has already blown past a bunch of its stretch goals. Uh, this game is amazing. I am a huge fan of it. Go check it out and go follow Ray on Twitter at Temporal Hiccup. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, join our Discord community at bit.ly slash Party of One Discord. Support the show financially at patreon.com slash Jeff Stormer or ko-fi.com slash Jeff Stormer. Buy some merch at bit.ly slash Party of One Merch. Or leave us a nice pod chaser, iTunes, or Spotify review. Tell us you like the show on social media. Tell a friend about the show. Any of those things help new listeners find the show, which helps us do bigger, better, and cooler things. Then, if you're looking for another show to check out, I have not one, but two recommendations for you. One is All My Fantasy Children, which is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the One Shot Podcast Network, wherein every week, my best friend, Aaron Catano Saez, and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. You can find that at OneShotPodcast.com. And I'd also like to recommend Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast, a slice-of-life actual play about a magical house, a heartless witch, and the many people that have made their home inside. The show was recently awarded Best of the Best in Fiction Podcasting at New Jersey WebFest. And if that's not an endorsement that you should go listen to the show, listen to some of uh, my favorite people, your favorite people, Aaron Catano Saez, B. Zelda, Caro Assertion, Danny Quatch, Brennan Lee Mulligan, the list goes on. Listen to them. Go play some lovely heartwarming games. You can go to tinyurl.com slash podcast for more information. 
Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran featuring the D&D Sluggers. And the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates coming onto the show's guest or about press coverage of the show, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's all we do here. So until next time, remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. 